Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 26 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 25% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP9. This week on TWIP, Alex Lindsay returns and explains why Google Glass is so cool, Flickr updates its iOS app, and Facebook adds shared photo albums. Also, Samsung goes Android on a new camera, and Sony intros the cameraless camera. Plus, an interview with New York City photographer Vivian Gutswa. It's Wednesday, September 4th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show to discuss some really, really exciting and interesting geek-worthy news and more are Mr. Don Komarechka, Mr. Matt Granger, and the godfather, one of the founders of This Week in Photo, Alex Lindsay, is back on the show finally. Hey, guys. Every time you say that, I'm just like, you know, I have to, I have to talk about a photo you took, you know. There's nothing to focus, you know. You're, you're the creator. You made all this. Without you, this wouldn't be here. Come on. Well, no, without you, it wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, well. you've, seen, you've seen all my other podcasts. They slowly like, like, I have to show up? Uh, no, no. I won't do that anymore. <laughs> without so. us. Without us, it wouldn't yes. be here. How about Absolutely. that? All right, let's do it. Let's do a catch-up. So, Matt, you haven't been on the show in a while. I mean, you came on once and then you started running around the globe doing all kinds of cool projects and now you've got some interesting stuff happening what's going on in the Matt Granger world well technically I don't know if I've ever been on the show at all remember the last one went cactus and um, didn't go oh yeah that's right that was (laughs) yeah we had some technical difficulties yeah Yeah. did did you say went cactus (laughs) Uh, yeah that was an attempt to not swear you that don't awesome. you don't know about that, that? A, that's what all the cool kids say these days, Alex. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm saving that one. That was <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, it went cactus. You have to say it with an Australian accent though. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. No, yeah. it's uh it's been good. Um I'm back in Sydney for a while and um I'm right now, like in one hour, changing all my branding from that Nikon guy to plain old Matt Granger, so it's been a pretty mental time. Congratulations, man. Okay, so when we did our interview with you, you were, like, right off the top, you were very clear to say, you know what, I like other stuff other than Nikon. The branding <laughs> thing just kind of happened. So tell tell me about the, the brand transition. Uh, well, I think, you know, it's been my world for the last month. To anyone other than me, it's probably incredibly boring, to be honest, but there's a lot of um, behind-the-scenes and admin work that you know, to make the website change over and all the social media and all of that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're, as you said, um, I just chose the name on the day I started my YouTube channel and I have ever since thought it's a little bit limiting to, you know, you can't imagine that um, Ford wants to work with that GM guy, right? So, right, right, so, or anybody um, else, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, just going to go by my own moniker, which I'm sure makes my parents very happy. And <laughs> um, otherwise, not much of a change. Still teaching and working and traveling and shooting and all the same stuff, all the same gear, really. Very cool. All right. Well, yeah, we'll dive into that because the show 
ironically, is going to be about gear and not so much Nikon. So welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Also on the show down there is Mr. Don Komarechka. Hey, Don, what's going on? Hello, Frederick. Uh, I've been kind of burying myself in my book project these days, kind of locking myself into my cave and uh, just trying to do, it's ending up to be about 12 hours a day, just hammering on this project to get it done before the deadline. I had to pass up a, a wonderful three-week trip to Bulgaria, uh, and so that's a little disappointing, but that'll happen next year. And uh, so, yeah, lots of stuff going on, but it's all the same project, and I just want it to be over with. <laughs> just wanted to be done. Yeah, I'm still waiting on my book. I just want to. No, no, it, it's coming. It's still. It's going to meet the deadline. And it's in I, the mail. I, I was going, it's in the mail. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was going through the images today, and there's uh, over 400 uh, snowflake photographs that I've put together. And if you factor in about four hours of editing on each one, uh, that's months and months of just dedicated time on that one project. Yeah. So it's been pretty yeah. killer. Yeah, and you're you're a pretty meticulous guy. So I would imagine that. You know, what would take most people that don't care as much as you about an hour, you probably give it four hours. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I and the work will show. Love it. Love it. Cool. Well, welcome back to the show. All right. Also, uh, like I mentioned at the top there, Mr. Alex Lindsay. Alex, I mean, I feel bad saying, hey, what's been going on since the last time you were on? Because the planet has, uh, you know, <laughs> made several revolutions around the sun <laughs> since the last time you were on the show. What's, uh, what's happening right now? Oh, so uh, yeah, we're, things are you know a little hectic. Uh, so we, um, you know, we're just doing a lot of hangouts. So we, we can actually say that in public now. So it's oh. it's, it's very exciting. We, we, we've well, been, tell us um, about that. What is, what is this hangout so we, thing of which you speak? Well, you know, there's this thing where you can have multiple people talking at the same time on the anyway. So the uh, <laughs> so um, you know we we've been doing hangouts for about a year and a half, and and uh, you know we've done you know just north of 500 of them in 18 months and and we do five or six a week and it's just kind of like But a when you say hangouts it's not like you're just hanging out you you are producing professional We produce hangouts like high for end celebrity clients. hangouts right Yeah yeah so it's a lot of a lot of high end stuff we can't usually talk about who we're doing it with but some of the ones you'll see on my G plus page if you if you uh, peruse it every once in a while I work with a client like Discovery Channel or or Verizon or whatever that says, oh, it's okay for you to, um, you know, post the behind the scenes of us putting GoPros on indie cars or putting, yeah. you know, stuff underwater with sharks and stuff like that. So, so the, um, so you know, a lot of what we do is kind of the F1 of, of you know, of Hangouts. So it's rarely are we using webcams, um, you know, and and we're just kind of, it's when someone really wants it to have that fit and finish of a of a final product and. Uh, or just just help them out a little bit with it. It can be just as little as helping them out a little bit, and it can be as much as we want to put eight cameras in and mix and switch them and you know mix it into a hangout that type of thing. And so um, it's 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 an it's about you know it's become a big part of our business. Obviously, we still do a lot of live streaming, and um, and I take as many photos as I can. Most of my 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 photography has been um, of my kids. So um, doing, I did a little, I did a little sports photography here. I see. see aren't you proud of me, Fredericks? So yeah, oh, look the, at that! The the the, 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 um, the eight hundred. Which Nikon is that? The eight hundred. Of course. Well, what yeah. am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, I got the E and it was too sharp. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I took it back and got the eight hundred and and uh, and the um, but I was taking pictures of my son playing soccer. So those, that's as close to sports photography as I get. It's not. The well, you know, it turns out we have that Nikon guy. Oh no, we don't have that Nikon guy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we have Matt Granger on the show. He's not that Nikon guy anymore. So, as of so, what an hour from the recording of this episode, right? Yeah. So and then, and then I got my new camera. You know, the Nikon's great. 
But um, but this is you know this of course is my new camera here. So. Yeah, well, we're gonna talk about that. You know, yeah, let's uh, we uh, before pull those off. Okay, just pull those <laughs> off. <laughs> before we start talking about that, I just want to um, remind the viewers slash listeners that Doug K and I um, kicked off a new sort of experimental show. We're calling it All About the Gear, and it's uh, basically what we decided was Doug likes to play with different gear all the time, um, and he get stuff from borrow lenses all the time. So we did a little deal with borrow lenses that they send him a piece of gear. He'll play with it for about a week or two. And then we do a show where I pick it to pieces and find out what was good, bad, ugly about that particular gear. We've done one on the Leica M9. Um, the first one we did was the OMD versus the NEX, um, one of the NEX cameras, the 6. And then the latest one we did was the Fuji X100S, which I'm going to post very shortly. So definitely check that out. We're having fun with that. And it's just, you know, Doug and I in a hangout talking about gear and geeking out. So, all right, let's get back to the show. Before we before we get into this first story, Alex, I want to dive into those things that you had on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people that are listening to this, Alex just strategically pulled out Google Glass and put those on. So he went from Alex Lindsay to C-3PO in about 10 seconds. <laughs> so, okay, so we... We know about glass, right? You put those things on, and um, you know it, it basically gives you access to Google Now and taking pictures and recording video and Hangouts. Have you been using those? I mean, do they fit into your workflow? I, I actually, um, I wear them almost all day. So you know, it's it's one of those things that you you know I put them on thinking, oh, I'm going to do tests because we do all these Hangouts and we do a lot of this. We have a lot of clients that are starting to get these get glass, mm-hmm. and um, and they want to use them in their Hangouts, and so they're asking us about technical stuff. And I was like, well, I got to get a pair. So so anyway, so the um, uh, so I got them just as a test. Like, oh, we'll, well, we'll throw them on when we need to do a test. We'll throw them on to do this. And I have to admit that I decided I was going to wear them for a whole day just to see what it was like. And now it almost feels odd, you know, to take them off. Uh-oh. So so most of the day I have them on, and you get the kind of this. And what the worst part is is that you uh, when you take them off, I you know what happens is as a photographer, specifically for this show, and there's a lot of little things you do with Google Glass, getting to, you know walking directions and you know finding out things and picking up information, and that's all great. Um, but the number one thing is that you have a camera, you know, at your eye level. <laughs> you know, 100% of the day. Mm-hmm. And and so one of the things that you notice is there's a little button at the very top of the glass that I can just take a picture. So if I want to take a picture, I just, you know, click it, and it takes a picture, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, the thing about that is is that there are so many moments in life that you just don't have time to pull out a camera, you didn't have anything with you, um, and you're able to just take that picture, you know. And, and, and a lot of them are these, these, these kind of casual moments that you're sitting... You know, you're sitting around doing something, you're going, you're in the park, or you're doing whatever, and you're like, this is a great moment. And then, and then immediately you go, and I will capture it. You know, you know, and, and, it's, and, and a lot of times it's, oh, I want to remember. And sometimes it's like I want to capture something with my kids, or I want to capture something at work. A lot of times it's reference, like, oh, I want to remember that sign, boom. Or, I, you know, there's something written that I want to remember, or I want to remember something, and I just hit it. And you can, you know, of course, when it's on. So there's a couple ways of turning it on. You can click it, you can hit it on the side, or you can lean up and then lean down, and it turns on. <laughs> and then you say, okay, glass. And you say, take a picture, you know, and, and that's, that's it. So and it takes a picture and it takes a picture, you know, and, and so then you can, you know, then turn it off by hitting the side. So, of it. so, so they, let me, so here's, here's the, the real world question mm-hmm. about glass, right? So I get how they work and it's, you know, voice recognition and you can take pictures and it's always there. How do you feel like walking around with that? Do you feel like, do you feel self-conscious walking around? I don't with feel self-conscious, on? but I, you're talking about the kid, you know, that, you know, 
wore camo. Yeah, you don't care school, at this point. You know, you I mean, know, I was like, I, I just, I've, always, I mean, ever since I was little, I just wore whatever I was going to wear. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely there are people who look at you, you know, a little odd. Most of the time, the, mo- the most interactions you get are people just saying, "Is that the glass?" You know, what is it like? You of know, course, and, yeah. And Which would bug me. That would bug me. I'm like, you know, yes, it's Google Glass. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, I just kind of figure, you know, it's, uh, it is part of our business and it is something that i got to figure out. And, and, and I, wearable cameras, wearable, you know, data devices is definitely something we're going to see over the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I will say that, if I, that after having glass, um, uh, I, I have to say that if I ever lost an eye, <laughs> I, would, I would hire someone to, to build one that looked like an eye that had all this information on one side. So I just oh, had wow. this like, so monitor. So you, you want to be a cyborg. Basically, well, you're just saying I, you want to be a cyborg. I'm just saying that it's really nice to have, you know, um, it's really nice to have that. And, and again, a lot of it is that, that, that ability to capture moments. And, and um, you can also, of course, shoot video. So I do a lot of training with it. So, um, you know, we build um, uh, the Hangout modules. I took a picture actually of the Hangout module um, that we use for running running events remotely because we run everybody's Hangouts from our office in Petaluma no matter where they are any, anywhere yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And we have these, you know, these big a big system that does that. It's like this, you know, pretty expensive system with lots of hardware and everything else. But it changes every 10 days. So every 10 days we have a new version of it. So we have two of them that are constantly being built and there's a new version every every 10 days of the stuff that we didn't like about the last one. And sometimes it's a little faster, but generally about 10 days. Yeah. And so we were, we just finished it, and we had a big event coming, and I wasn't going to be there. So, of course, I took my glass out, and I just kept on you know, taking a video. And, and in 10 seconds, I would say, this is how this works. And then, I, you know, and then explain <laughs> it, and then in the next 10 seconds, you can do it longer, but I like the idea of the, the 10 seconds. Little segments. Yeah. You know, like, this is what this does. This is what this does. And then, and, then, and then I can just send those to the people that are working on it so that they can, you know, so I can kind of take all these visual notes. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're hands-free. You're just deciding I want to do something. I want to talk about something for a minute. Um, and, and it's the immediacy, and it's a good camera. I mean, it's a surprisingly good camera. Um, yeah. But the immediacy of, of being able to do that anytime and just having it with you is, is definitely the camera element of the, of the glass is the thing that is the, um, currently, I would say, the most powerful part of this. So last, last question about the glass. So how much do those things cost? And I guess a two-part question. Um, second part is, are they available to mere mortals, to the general <laughs> pop- prison population, or do we have to wait? So um, they're a little difficult to get right now. Um, they are, you know, they're they're in the explorer or developer programs, and um, and so uh, so unless you're working in one of those areas, you, it's it's hard to get them. Um, they're fifteen hundred dollars to buy currently. Um, the price will, will go down. Uh, so you know, no one knows exactly how much they're going to be. Um, you know, many people believe they'll be less than five hundred when they you know when they come out. So the, yeah. right now you're paying for the fact that it's in a small batch. You know, and they're yeah. and they're trying to figure it out and everything. And else. you're paying that early adopter fee and all that. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and 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 as as someone who thinks that this is going to be a big business, you're able to get used to it, figure it out, work with it. You know, for us, from a business perspective, as I said, we have people who want to use it. We want to figure out how to use it better in Hangouts. Mm-hmm. How stable is it? Is it going to work? And so and so, um, for us, it's an important business decision to you know to to have it. Um, and it's you know it and it is going to change things. I mean, when you think about it, like someone cut me off, I have to admit, I, you know, you, you, when you get used to taking photos, when we talk about the photos and privacy and everything else, so someone cut me off on the, on the, um, on the crosswalk, and just as an experiment, you know, I just said, you know, I just held down and hit video and just watched their car cut me off on the thing and then, and then, just, and then turn my head and watch their license plate. And I was like, you know, pretty soon, <laughs> you know, when a lot wow. of people have yeah. these, this becomes, you know, this... Talk about this, citizen, citizen journalism. I can't wait to see the first... 
um, you know, glass televised police beatdown of a civilian. Well, that's the whole thing is that, is that you know, it, everyone's going to have something that's, I mean, everyone has their cell phone, but it's really obvious. And this is not obvious. And, and, the, um, and you just kind of grab onto that video. And, and, and what I'm still waiting for is I know someone's going to build an app where you can say, okay, glass, capture the last 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, and, and when that happens, when it's constantly caching, and then it just and then it just freezes the last thirty seconds. You have all these moments that that you know both both really magical moments and and, and really you know ter, you know horrific moments that will be mm-hmm. captured because yeah. you'll you'll grab that you'll you'll be able to grab the near past back out you know yeah. from what you're wearing. Crazy, it's like a and time machine. That's Matt, the, that's Matt Granger, would you would you uh, consider wearing glass? Like, it, would they be hip in some places cool as Australia? Could you be walking around Sydney with those on? Well, I think like Alex, I wouldn't uh, care too much about how I looked, but in terms of the whether or not I would actually use it, I don't know. It's um, it, it does raise those issues Alex was just mentioning about um, what well, just turns everyone into a little CCTV, and mm-hmm. that obviously has some concerns. But I always think about photography as you've got what I kind of, uh, this is snobbery, but what I kind of think of as real photography, you know, where you go out and you create something with a vision like Don's book, mm-hmm. or there's the snapshot stuff, you know, here's my latte, here's my lunch, here's, uh, you know, a dog doing something stupid in the park, and the glass just seems to take it that whole extra step where it's just anything at any time. I don't really think it's a photography device, I just think it's a, I well, want to record everything. What I will say about it is, is that it is, um, it definitely can be just a, a snapshot. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that you do do is you get pretty good at framing this stuff, you know. And you, and a lot of times, you end up shooting it over because you see exactly what you shot as soon as you shoot it. And and yeah. I think a lot of times um, you end up kind of doing one of these. In fact, what you'll see if you go up to my my G Plus page, you'll actually see this wiggly auto awesome thing that happened in G plus where it, and it, what it was is me moving my head around to frame a better picture of our, of our set. Cause I was sending to someone to take notes. I was yeah. like, Oh, I don't like that photo. I don't like that photo. I don't like that photo. But then auto awesome. It was close enough that it just grabbed them all and made a gif out of them. And so it's this kind of weird rotating kind of morphing uh, cool. image. And so, um, <clears throat> again, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I do believe in the whole, and I have, you know, obviously I have a big, I have a bunch of big cameras that I can shoot with. Right. Um, and, and for me, it's the immediacy of being able, I, I've noticed even before glass that while I have a lot of great cameras that it became 80% of my photography on a day-to-day basis with my iPhone. You know, it was like me just taking pictures of my iPhone. Yeah. It's um, the path of least resistance, right? It's just what I have with me, you know, and, and, and I have a lot, I have to carry a lot of gear. I mean, without my camera, my backpack typically is about 40 pounds. And so it's, it's a workout, you know, on its own. And so I don't, you know, so I don't usually carry that when I have to make decisions on what I'm going to take on a flight. And so, so I just noticed that that was the case. And so having this available all the time, um, you know, I definitely think we're going to see some interesting artwork that comes out of it, of things that you can do with it that, that you couldn't do. Um, I, I, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give up. I'm not saying that, you know, we should give up on the, you know, on the big, on the big camera, the, 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 our Nikon or Canon. Um, but uh, you know, because because when you take those pictures with a real camera, <laughs> um, you know, with a with a full size sensor and everything else, they are luscious. You know, and and you forget how luscious they are until you go through a whole bunch of you, you know a whole bunch of photos that are like shared up on Google Plus, and then you see all these ones from my iPhone and all these ones from Google Glass, and then you see a handful of photos that I uploaded from my from my Nikon, and and you just you know it's a whole different world. So yeah. you know, and and, yeah. you, and you're definitely thinking about it a different way. But I 
Um, but I think that as a when we think about art as a photograph photography, I can definitely agree with that. But I think that as a as an experience of experiencing people's life, I think that we're going to see a lot of photography that's coming. From a lot of a lot of like point this. of view. We call it the the new era of photography is POV photography, right? Sort of yeah. Like me, from the artist's point of view, Don Kamareska, would would glass, uh, you know, as we trail off on that topic, would it would it fit into your world at all of workshops and you know, I, I know not macro photography, but you know, where would you no, use it? No, but it, it wouldn't. Know? It wouldn't fit in in the the way that I sort of live my life right now, but I can see that changing. You know, if this becomes more of a standard thing where maybe one person in a group of people has Google Glass, and that number I'm sure will grow. Maybe it's not Google. Maybe Google sets the trend, and everybody will eventually be wearing cameras and operating systems on their face uh, at some point or another. But if you look at um, uh, in in Russia recently, they had that meteor that uh, streaked through the sky, and yeah. everybody with right. dashboard cameras picked up the footage of that, and it was unexpected, but those cameras were always on. Right. And I think that if you have a good segment of the population that has an always-on camera, and I know the current one doesn't do that, but uh, if it did, then that completely revolutionizes the world that we see, that we capture, that ends up in news feeds and sort of makes the world a little bit more sensational and uh, and truthful to that degree. So I think that on a bigger scale than just you know my own workflow, this could be a world-changing type of technology. Yeah, yeah, and those the the folks in Russia with those always on dash cams. The reason, at least from what I've read, the reason that they do that is because of all the insurance fraud out there and people exactly. diving in front of cars and all that stuff. So, yeah, I would see that market as being pretty fertile for Google <laughs> to sell to sell those folks Google Glass to capture that person that took a nosedive on purpose in front of their car. Exactly. So, I don't know. Interesting stuff. It's crazy, man. All this all this cool stuff is coming. So. Let me pull up the notes here. Speaking of cool stuff, the first thing I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about Flickr uh, first. So they we talk about Flickr a lot on the show. So they updated their iOS app um, with a basically they redid it to allow live filters in there, and that's basically what Instagram had in the beginning. And then Instagram removed the feature for you to actually see the filter effect before you took the feet took the photo. Now they have it in there. Plus they added in some pro quote pro tools in there so you can sharpen, straighten, you know, do those sort of crop and those sorts of things right in the app. So a lot of people are saying that the Flickr app, and I'll say a lot of people, a couple of in, a couple of articles that I read <laughs> are saying that the Flickr app is now competing with Snapseed, which has kind of been my go-to app. Um, which is Snapseed is a was an acquisition by Google, and it's a great app that you know that kind of does a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here. So Don Kamariska, looking at this, looking at the resurgence of Flickr, you know they redesigned the app, they brought it up into the 2013s um, or the 2000s, let's say. They redesigned the or the website, um, and the app itself has been getting lots of praise going on. Is Flickr, and particular these apps? This app right here, is it worth another look? Should people dive back into Flickr? Well, I absolutely think it's worth another look. I was playing with the app today, and it was very intuitive. You know, a lot of the features that uh, that are under the hood for playing with filters and that kind of stuff, I don't usually do. Uh, but they're not overt. They're not right in your face. They're not cluttering things up. So yeah. You can easily avoid them if you never want to use them, but they're right there and easy to find if you want to. Uh, I think that it's just a, a very clean interface. They're doing things that nobody else is doing in this space, but 
they're kind of reinventing themselves and then expecting people to take that second look. And I think that's going to be the hardest thing for them. Uh, people that may have gone to Flickr and they've moved on to other services like Google Plus or 500px or anything else, mm-hmm. how are those people going to come back to Flickr? What's the incentive? And I think that's their biggest cha- uh, challenge right now because if they can't do that, uh, then they're just going to you know, stay stagnant even if they have some great services to offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you you hit it right on the head right there because a lot of people just decided, you know what, they're not innovating, they're done, I'm moving on to something shinier and newer, and now they're back. Do you go back? Matt Granger, where do you sit on Flickr? Are you a Flickr user? Have you used the service? Uh, I only use it, and I mean really only, for my monthly competitions I do, so that's where I get people to upload their shots. It's um, easy so I can control the flow, just one entry per person or per account. Um, shows you all the metadata nice and easy during judging and when I am sharing disposable shots on Instagram I have them shared to Flickr but beyond that I don't really I don't even barely look at it so you're not diving in you're not checking it every day you're not running you know groups and all that stuff in there okay well I've got a group for every month of the comp and there's a a group that now needs to be renamed in half an hour, but um, <laughs> you're like, I gotta make a note, change Flickr name. <laughs> yeah, add that to the list. Um, yeah. I, I I do think the upgrades look better. You know, there's always a kickback when people redesign things because people get used to what it was. But um, I think it looks good. But uh, you know, I'm a bit of a grandpa with that stuff. Once I find something that I understand and is working for me, I'll just keep using that. So for me, it's do it in Instagram and send it to everything else. Send it over. Alex Lindsay, is Flickr is Flickr back? You know, I think that Flickr, I think Flickr is fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, uh, um, I have to admit that again, like kind of like Matt, I, I don't. Uh, this whatever is easy for me to use in the in that realm, and I have to admit that my uh, everything. Once I really started using G Plus a lot, my my issue was is that I. You know, all my photos are automatically uploaded from my phone. They're all uploaded from my um, my glass. They're you know uh, you know it's very easy for me to do all of those things, and so it makes me, you know, that's where I share my photos. Like I put up a couple photos from you know from my uh, you know they're all available for me, and I usually drop them into G Plus if I'm going to put them somewhere. Yeah. And so my you know and my world is busy enough that I don't really. I'm not that I'm I'm not as artistic as I probably should be or could be. You know, I just there it is, and I maybe maybe do a correction to it, but otherwise, mostly just raw stuff that I put up. I mean, most of the stuff that I really work on, when it comes to photography, you know, seventy eighty percent of my photography is stuff I can't show anyway. I mean, because yeah. it's um, behind the scenes of stuff that I didn't you know officially work on. <laughs> so wait, in in your so your real world experience, what what? And I ask this a lot on the show, and I have yet to get like as. A, a cohesive answer mm-hmm. to what people should be doing. Like, what's their workflow? Should should people be, like, photographer? When I say people, I mean photographers. Should photographers be uploading to their their best beautiful shots to 500 pics, and then their fun shots to Facebook, and then you know some whatever, maybe a combination of the two to Flickr, or certain kinds of shots to Flickr. Or should they just pick one horse and ride it? Like pick Google Plus. I'm just going to ride that because they display photos brilliantly. I'm just going to use that and forsake all others. What should they do? I think that it's, it depends on what their goals are for each of these outlets. And so, so I think that you should decide professionally. This is you know you I because I definitely have a very different view of the different social networks. So. Yeah. For me, like Twitter is something that I, you know, little quips and funny things and some links and things, you know, like that are, are you know, retweets and, 
and and to be honest with you, my Twitter just flows into my Facebook. I don't really do anything in Facebook other than oh, I got to get a hold of that person in Atlanta, and I'll you know figure out where they are via Facebook. But that Facebook's a, a directory to my you know friends, and and it's the output from Twitter, <laughs> but that's all it is. Okay. And then and then most of my time is spent in um, you know G plus, which I check all the time, um, and and so that's the you know that's the area that I um, uh, really have there, and then. You know, no, is, I, that, is that a symptom of because you're you're working on Hangouts, so you're just in that world and marinating in that, or is it just a better service? Well, it started. It definitely started with the fact that I had to do a lot of Hangouts, and so as a as a job, I had to be in G plus sure. all the time, and yeah. and I had to know it. I had to know it really well. So I happen to know G plus pretty well because I had I have to. It's my job, and so. Yeah. Um, but I have to admit that once you start using it, you go back to the other ones and you're just like, oh, this doesn't work at all. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you feel very restrained because in, in Twitter I can only put 140 characters. Facebook makes my eyes cross. Um, you know, like there's so much going on. It's so messy. Right. And and uh, and there's all these ads. And, and you know, like G Plus is probably never going to have ads because that's not they don't need that out of that. You know, it's it's a, you know, and so... Um, so it's a little cleaner as far as interface, and it's all tied into. Every, you know, this is the, the danger of Google, right? It, everything's all tied together. So my mail is tied together, and my photos are tied together, and my, you know, my, you know, every, everything is all kind of tied. And, and and you know, like a lot of, for a lot of us, we're all busy, and we're all trying to figure stuff out. And so the thing is, is that we're not there to experiment. And so if something meets the basic criteria, like if it's easier to do it to to G plus, then I just do it to G plus. You know, if it's, you know, and because everything's tied in, it's just easy to do it that way, you know, and, and so it's important that, you know, we, you know, a lot of us, and, and, you know, I used to experiment more than I did, and then my life got really busy, and so I just, you know, things are easy to kind of manage in that process, but I do look at all of these. I will say that I look at all, how I output, and I think professionals need to think about this, what I output to Twitter, what I output to G+, all those things are a reflection on me and my company. Right. <laughs> so, right. so you know, and, and I think that one thing that I definitely see, no matter what photos you're putting up, no matter, you know, if someone does a search for, you know, Frederick Van Johnson, you know, it doesn't matter whether it was a personal, you know, email, I mean, personal picture that was for fun or a, or your professional one. You just need to know that that's all going to be, you know, exactly. part of you can't, of It doesn't come with a caveat. Hey, Mr. CEO that's considering contracting me, pay no attention to that shot of me acting a fool at Disneyland. <laughs> right, <laughs> Look right. at the professional stuff. Right? Which is why I don't post a ton of stuff. I mean, I, I definitely post some stuff, and I, and I post things that are interesting, but I think about it every time I hit go. You know, and I, it's not something that I, you know, I don't, um, and, and I think that a lot of people need to think about that. They're, you know, our company, you know, we've grown a bit, and, you know, we have a lot of people, and, and, you know, we have somebody that every time we're hiring someone, you know, they comb through their social network. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, that like, you know, just they, they just comb through everything and they look for anything that, that will worry us, you know, mm -hmm. because because, you know, it's in many states like California, it's very hard to once you hire someone to unhire them, you know. And so and so you have, you know, so you want to figure that stuff out before they before they enter. And so I think that that is a. Um, again, you just have to, you know, the, the responsibility of, you know, um, of of thinking about that because it's very hard to get rid of all of that stuff in the past, you know, so yeah. you just have to think about that as a photographer about what you're, what you're posting, um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, and you look at model mayhem and you just, you know, because if we're looking for someone to, to do a model and you're like, you know, you, you, there's photos up there of people and you're just like, oh, you really going to want that up there? You know, you know, like, you know, searchable <laughs> by your name, you know, it's just like, you know, Ouch, it's really, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, ah, you know, you know, and yeah. so, um, so, you know, that's the kind of thing that you, uh, you know, want to, um, that I think photographers have to think about, and anybody that's posting stuff has to think about, is, yeah. is how that reflects on you. Because it's just our, there's much less that's private than there, you know, than there used to be. You oh, know? And, but I, yeah, nothing. Yeah, as we know from recent 
revelations about the NSA and all that. Matt Granger, <laughs> what about you? Like you, so you you're a self-proclaimed old man when it comes to embracing new <laughs> technology, as you just said. What about like the like this stuff? Your your process for posting things online. Are you do you have a flow? Of, okay, I'm going to put it on these networks, or I'm just going to stick like Alex is saying. He's just going to the center of his universe for all intents and purposes is going to center around G+. What about you? Yeah. How do you work it? Yeah, look, I think the same as you guys were saying. I, I've specifically kept a line between personal and private in a lot of my stuff. Like, I don't allow, what do they call it, where people can watch your personal account, and I don't mm -hmm. add people unless they're really close friends because that's where I put the, you know, doing stupid stuff ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I... I'm constantly trying to remind myself that if, you know, I'm in a rush and I'm putting out a social media update or a YouTube video and, you know, I'm just trying to demonstrate a technique so I don't have to worry too much about the editing or the this or the that and then put it out that uh, that's there forever now. Yeah. So it, it is a tricky one. But in terms of where I put them, you know, most of my stuff is going in video form to YouTube. I share some stuff via Instagram to Twitter, Facebook... Tumblr and Flickr. It just automatically goes there. I don't add anything or, you know, I don't, I'm not even good with tagging and that kind of stuff, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and then I share directly to Facebook and Twitter. But again, it is, um, I think of Twitter as being fairly disposable and Facebook a little bit less so because there is that timeline. So if you post three updates on the same sort of thing, in a day, then people who actually go to your page rather than just being on the timeline see it all, and it can be a bit much. So, right. um, I try not to do too much per day. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. Well, the the second part of this story, um, and Don Komarechka, I want you to comment on this piece of it as well. Starting with you, is the fact we were talking about Matt was talking about Facebook and how that's kind of, you know, second from the bottom tier <laughs> in terms of the networks that he cares about. Facebook just introduced the feature or they're rolling out the feature that allows you to do shared albums. Uh, previously, you could do, you could put an album up there and you're the only person that could input or edit photos in there. Now, you can you can authorize multiple people to have access to that album, which will Matt, I would I would assume open up things like photo contests and all sorts of things that you could do. Don, do you do you care about that? Is that a feature that you were like, "Oh, I would use Facebook more if they just had shared albums in there?" Well, you know, I only really use Facebook for personal stuff, keeping track of friends and family. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we had a family reunion, and everybody was snapping pictures. And, and where do we put them? Where does everybody get to put them into one big pot and see them all together? And the same thing is true of weddings and other big get-togethers. And yeah. I think that having Facebook, uh, having the ability to have everything all in one place for that, uh, that's huge. That's great. Um, I wouldn't be putting my professional work uh, into stuff like that for photo contests and what have you, although some people might uh, choose to use it for that particular purpose. Uh, but for, you know, family snapshots, I think that's wonderful and, uh, and good on Facebook for coming up with that feature. Yeah, 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 I agree. The, that has been a problem, just a central repository, which, Matt, you've been using Google, or not Google, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Flickr groups <laughs> to sort of allow people to mass or to a uh, group to have access to one central repository, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of the things we're going to, I mean, we're going to experiment. My brother's getting married. Uh, this Joe, you know Joe. Um, oh, Joe's getting married? Oh. Joe's getting married on Saturday. What? Yes. Wow. yes. He's a baby. 
I know, I know. So, so yeah, he's uh, he's getting he's getting married on Saturday, and one of the things I'm gonna experiment with is using the party mode inside of. Um, I don't know if anyone but me will do it, so we'll see. You'll see what happens. But you'll be a party of one. Google Plus has a lot of has a lot, something like that, like the Facebook one, with that when you create an event, you can put it into party mode, and then people can join that and then just take photos and just have them automatically all just filling up this event with photos. Yeah. And I think that there is something very social about that, whether it's Facebook or G Plus or Flickr, being able to have everyone push push stuff to that from an, from a specific event. Uh, I think has a lot of really interesting, you know. So it's event, it's event centric rather than just album centric. Right. So you can create this event saying I'm doing this stuff, and then I'm and then you can, um, and then you can tie everybody in, and then have when they're taking the photos, it's all pushing up to it. That's cool. Interesting. Wow. See, lots of cool stuff coming out. I mean, so like the the bulk of the show, and we're already like 30 minutes into the show. Um, I want to talk about this, these rumors, and actually some were rumors and came to fruition this morning. <laughs> so the first thing on the list I want to talk about is Sony. So you know, actually there's like four Sony things on this list that we're going to talk about. The last thing on the list there is the first one I want to talk about, and that's this QX lens camera that was rumored yesterday and came true this morning. So essentially it's a lens, it looks like a lens, and we'll put links in to the videos and all that stuff in the notes for this, but it looks like a lens, um, but it has a sensor built into it, has all the camera guts and everything built into it, but it also has NFC, or near-field communication for instant Bluetooth pairing to an Android phone or whatever phone that or tablet that supports NFC, or you can just pair it through Bluetooth, but essentially what happens is your smartphone, iPhone, or Android device becomes the screen for the lens. You can clamp them together, and it's like a point-and-shoot, or you can unclamp them, and up to 30 feet away, apparently, depending on obstructions and interference and all that, uh, up to 30 feet away, under ideal conditions, have the screen separate from the lens, which should allow for some kind of crazy photography. Now, I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, I want to say three, four-ish years ago, Alex Lindsay was on the show and predicted, I don't know if it was a prediction or a wish or somewhere in between, that this device would happen. So, well, Alex, think, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, no, it, was, it, you know it was funny. It was, a little, it was obviously a wish that it would happen, um, but I think that there was a trajectory that you, you could see that it had to happen because the the brains of the cameras are so far behind the smartphones. As soon as we started having iPhones and Android phones and all these other things, that you know the the the, the speed of development of that interface and the and the abilities um, to run that you know became a it just was going much faster than what we're getting in in the camera world. You know that, that's yeah. just not what they do. So the, it it seems like the the whole part of the camera that isn't the sensor and the lens. Is kind of superfluous at this point. You know, we 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 because we're, we're all carrying something that could control that better than than Sony can do, or Canon can do, or Nikon can do. Yeah. And I know that they they're software people that I just made very upset at these companies. But well, the impetus of that discussion that we had years ago was you were and I probably continue to be really frustrated with the UI. Yeah, the UIs, all the UIs in these cameras are just so clunky, you know, and they're and they're written for small chips and low, you know, and they're written to the bone and they're not, you know, they're just not intuitive and and now and and hopefully what we see with Sony, it sounds like, you know, it's open to of course iOS and Android um uh, according to their their release um and 
hopefully what they're going to do, and, and we, I just haven't seen all the data yet, they're yeah. going to open that up so that any developer can get access. You know, there's a, just a calls to the to the lens that any developer can have. So whether it's a um, a um, you know it, whether it's a photography app or a video app or anything else that theoretically someone could actually you know run that you know run that lens from the you know from the camera and, and I don't know what the possibilities are I don't know whether it's you know what what its limitations are yet because uh, we, we don't have one yet but right, but, the, right. Uh, but when that happens I'm, I'm really interested to see and I think that I think that the success of this lens which I think it will be successful um, I think that there's a lot of things like I think what you're going to see people do is you know in the in the in the in the video that they show, it's kind of silly. You know, the guy's holding it and taking a picture of a cat. Yeah, he's doing all this. He's holding this thing. Yeah. But, but I think what's more likely to what we're more likely to see is rigs. So imagine building a camera rig Wait, or a variety of camera rigs. Wigs or rigs? A rig. Oh, R-I-G, R-I-G, okay. A rig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ribs. Um, yeah. So, so the uh, a lot of people are going to be building ribs and baby back ribs that are going to control their cameras. Anyway, so no, so a rig, so a camera rig that that imagine having a camera rig for specific needs, whether it's product photography or or with a or a shoulder mount that has your phone. <laughs> You know, sitting over there, and you're and the lens somewhere wherever you want it to be. Yeah. You know, and you can put the lens in all kinds of little shock mounts and do all kinds of crazy stuff. You can, you know, but there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to do because your controller is now completely separate from your, um, you know, from your camera. It's it's what I will say is that I I thought of, you know I I wished and thought about this years ago, and I didn't think of it as cool as what Sony actually did, which is not usual. Usually, someone comes up with something that's a little less. And the and the fact that it's completely disconnected. The only thing I'm worried about is they haven't said anything about video, so I'm not clear whether it shoots video or not, or I haven't seen anything about video. Right. Um, because I think video would be really interesting in this in this kind of configuration. Well, um, I did hear the limitations were one of the limitations that I saw that was kind of disappointing was the fact that it shoots JPEG only, right now. Right. Which so, is probably a, a, a function of the Bluetooth and yeah, and, you know, and the speed at which it can transfer, which also makes you think that maybe video isn't going to work. You know, as far as how it goes, but it looked like it looks like from what they were showing, he's looking, he's watching video. You know, I think it's going to do video. I mean, because you know, Sony, Sony makes um, this thing right here. Right. This is the the their action cam. Right. Right. And this thing transmits video to a smartphone exactly. in real time, and it's yeah. small. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. So I think the lens has its own memory card in it as well. What's that? Oh, really? Uh, the lens has its own memory card slot, from what I was reading. Oh, okay. So, what do you what do you think about this? Are you going to get one of these done? Is this uh this on your going to be in your I, stocking this Christmas? I love this idea. Um, but I think that it's it looks uh slick. But there's a few things that I would want to improve upon before I would buy into it. Um, the lens has its own battery, of course. So be sure to charge your lens before you uh, go out shooting. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that's something that photographers might not normally think of. Um. And I've seen it in most cases on you know third-party uh, phones and that and, and good on Sony for opening it up to the market. But it's got this silly-looking little clip thing that holds it in place. That's it's dorky and it might hurt the, the consumer clamp, appeal. The kind of clamp, right? They've got this weird clamp thing that wraps around the, uh, the the camera, this claw thing, um, and it. It works, but it's not very aesthetically pleasing. I did see some examples of a case that would allow it to mount very nicely to a specially designed case for it. Oh, and I think yeah. that I mean, would be Can you imagine cool. the third-party accessories that show up that just, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, and, and, you know, the technology exists to do, uh, you know, uh, inductive charging and that kind of stuff. So I can see down the road having the, the lens module even smaller because it'll take its power, uh, you know, wirelessly from a, uh, a, a phone itself. And yeah. so there's a lot of possibilities to evolve this even further and build on it. Uh, it's going to kill the high-end point-and-shoot market. Uh, that's my prediction is that market is going to disappear because of this device. 
Um, it's priced between I think two fifty and five hundred bucks. Yeah. So it's not cheap. It's not gonna you know stop people from buying the you know seventy dollar point and shoot camera, but it will take the people that would consider buying like a, a Canon. Uh, GX or G1X or whatever they have that you know might cost around the $400, $500 point and they'll look at this instead because it has so many more features and like Alex was saying if, if they open up an API where people can go and program in uh, their own control for the lens to do time lapse or to do uh, motion detection or uh, any kind of you know wonderful things that maybe only a very small market would want mm -hmm. but there's an app for that and and they'll sell tons of them if they open that up. Uh, if if Sony does this right, it could be you know one of the biggest revolutions in photography since we went to the mirrorless models. Wow, see that's that's a bold statement right there, Mac Ranger. Do you agree with that? Do you think this lens camera represents the next wave in consumer photography? I don't know, but that said, I haven't been caught up in the mirrorless one yet either. So maybe I am just a really late <laughs> yeah. adopter on this stuff. I don't know. I mean, so I there's this thing called mirrorless uh, that uh, it's actually pretty cool. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, tested them. I just haven't gotten in enamored enough to buy one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking, you know, it's cool, especially if as the technology develops, you can get, you know, your different lens and sensor size and specifics, you know, mm -hmm. all different combos, which is mm -hmm. pretty much what the Ricoh GXR was years ago, and just. Failed. And there's already a heap of options out there to wirelessly control cameras from smartphone devices yeah. already. It's just that this one's smaller and can clip on. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think... Because um, I do it, you're right, I do it all the time. I have the Sony NX, uh, NEX uh, 5R which with Wi-Fi capability built into it. So I can do the transfer back and forth or I can control the camera... From the uh, from the phone or a tablet or whatever, so I can do similar things that this thing allows me to do. But you know, it, like Alex was saying, it's redundant, right? Because I have this tablet with this big screen, and I have a f camera which also has a screen and operating system on it. So it's like they're just taking one, taking a piece out of the mix there. Well, uh, in um, I forget the name of the show, CP Plus at the start of the year, there was a bunch of point and shoot cameras from you know entry level to high end that are supporting the NFC now, which is really common on mobile phones there, where, you know, being able to get a good quality shot, tap them together, and send it straight to Facebook is already happening there. Yeah. So I think for some people, but for hardcore, you know, iPhone photographers who that's all they use and own, I don't think they want to carry an extra lens for a better mm. quality. And well, I, think that, I don't know, there may be that middle ground that Don described of those high-end point-and-shoot people, but I, I can't see myself getting one in a hurry. Hmm. Alex, what are you going to say? Yeah, I want to say it, it does say, I was just looking at the press release again, it, it, it's using Wi-Fi to transfer the images. It does do HD video. Uh, the NFC, I think, is is mostly so that it just pops on, you know, so that when you when you touch it to the camera, it just turns on. When you touch the 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 phone to the lens it just turns on it does, it does the Bluetooth pairing but it's using yeah. Wi-Fi to actually move it which is kind of got a bunch of options there right. the um uh and the pictures are taken they can be saved directly to the phone or to the camera I imagine the video will be saved to the to the thing you know to the I mean, to the or to the lens um they're calling it a camera here the uh it it is it's pretty you know it's a, it's a pretty fascinating connection I think that that clip that that we were talking about I don't I think that that actually pops off. Um, and it's just like a piece of plastic that holds it to your thing if you want to use it. But what's interesting, that that means the lens has its own little mounting process, which mm -hmm. people are going to build stuff for. And, and I think that, 
in kind of a make world. I think that, that what's really interesting about this is we're just going to see a lot of permutations. Now, hopefully, right now, there's only a Sony app that accesses this camera. So hopefully Sony doesn't blow this because if they if they open this up and they let people develop apps for this lens, they're, they have to remember that they are a hardware company, not a software company. You know, you know, and, and right. so that they want to sell lenses, you know, and if they and if they provide access to the to being able to control the lens, and they don't have to provide tons of access, just turn it on, turn it off, change the aperture, you know, start movie, stop, you know, like all the basic yeah, stuff. The fundamentals. Want from a, yeah. If they provide you know access to all of those things. I think I think that the the make you know the hacker make market goes crazy. You know I think you end up with a lot because they're not very expensive, and I think that 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 that's going to be your early adopter. And I think that, but it is a lot smaller. It's something that you put this lens in a little pocket on your Scotty vest, you know, and you can just pull it out of when you when you, and and I and I will admit I don't want to carry a whole camera, but when my kids are doing something, I might want to take something with short depth of field that's better than my iPhone. And and being able to just pop this thing out and take that picture. Um, to me, is really interesting, and again, I think that this idea of separating the camera from the from the from the body, you know, there's going to be so many things I think we're going to see people do that are crazy yeah. with their lenses because, you know, a lot of times what you want is you want to have something that's, you know, in this point of view area. You want to attach something that's point of view and then look at what it looks like, and and you're going to be able to do all of those things, you know, really, you know, really easily, and and put it in weird places and and have a really all high quality stuff, sensor. Yeah. Yeah, if they mount came it, out mount with it to one, the grill on your car, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they came out with a model of this that had uh, like a smaller lens, because these are a little bit thicker, uh, like a 22 millimeter prime lens with a bigger sensor on it um, that was slim and sleek, and, and I don't need zoom, but I want to have a good quality image with me wherever I go, I would buy one right away. Yeah. Um, no and, I, and I still think there's an argument to make a sensor without the lens. So I think the whole lens process is, is you know, I think that they ought to just make the backing with a, with a Canon or Nikon mount you know, someone. That's what that's what the next step is going to be. It's not going to be. It's, you know, Sony's mm-hmm. making the whole package, yeah. but the next step is going to be someone's going to make a Canon mount with a sensor. You know, and you that's just pop it. it on. It's almost like a like a back cap for a lens, right? And you just exactly. Click it you on just, there and go. That would be amazing. Click, that's the. I think that's our that's our next generation after this. If Sony doesn't do it, I think somebody else does that. I think Sigma does that, for instance, because then they're, they're the ones that sell all these lenses. You can just buy our lens, and then you can just pop this thing on the back and. And then hook it to your camera. You know, I mean, hook it to your phone, and then you're you're off to the races. A fully modular system. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. It's some it's some cool stuff. So so Matt Granger, the other piece of the story, one of the other rumors out there was, um, well, this is this is a rumor that came to fruition, that also was predicted by Alex Lindsay, was uh, a phone or a camera that runs Android, and this one this one's coming from Samsung, right? So it's a phone or a camera that runs the Android OS instead of the proprietary messed up manufacturer OS that people have to wade through, which also allows, presumably, the ability for people to install these apps on there to make the phone, camera, hybrid thing, do whatever you want it to do. Now, in your world, even though you said that you're the old man, Luddite, you don't want change and all that stuff, you have to be lusting after something like this. I mean, after having have waded through the operating systems on some of these high-end cameras, to have a, a smartphone-type UI on the back of the camera, wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I mean, there, there was the Samsung one already that had the iOS, but it, or whatever it is, the OS, but Android, not yeah. the actual phone part, which was a bit bizarre. Um, I remember going to South Korea like five or eight years ago, and they had smartphones then with the big touch screen and a proper retractable lens on them. And at the time, they were five megapixel. When in Australia, it was a, you know, a, a 
800 by 600 image that we were getting. So it's been out there. But I mean, yeah, I, I do, I, I've changed over to Apple though. So I do use uh, the smartphone a lot and it's so intuitive. And sure, if you had the apps right on there, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Basically, if you're asking, would I love a smartphone with a much better camera in it? Then yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, would you take your Nikon if you're shooting Nikon? If you have a Nikon D800, would you like to replace its brains with Android or iOS? Would that be appealing to you, or would you just like it to stay Nikon OS? Is that even a thing, Nikon OS, NOS? I don't know. I don't know. Um, not really, because for proper work, as I think of it, I don't use all of those filters and I don't really want apps in yeah. my camera. You just want f-stop, shutter speed, ISO, get out of my yeah, way. I've said if they'll build a, uh, you know, the Nikon FE from the 70s, if they'll build a digital version of that that just has aperture priority and then the three variables you mentioned, I'll buy 10 of them. I don't really, you know, I don't want in-camera HDR and all of that crap right. already. So all these apps, then nah, no thanks. Yeah, I love that. See, you're the purist. You are the purist. I, love it. <laughs> I don't, Don. Are you a purist in that way? Do you just give me f-stop, shutter speed, ISO, and get out of my way with all that other garbage? When I'm doing photography, you know, uh, for, for the art of photography and not just taking a snapshot, yeah, I don't like any of the bells and whistles. Uh, and, you know, it, there is something to be said for the uh, the in-camera operating systems. You see all the firmware updates that they release that fix very small or, um, like, maybe 1% of the people might find this one issue with a flash in a certain scenario and Canon fixes it or Nikon fixes that. And, and they've covered all the bases and everything is really polished from a... Uh, a piece of critical equipment standpoint. You know, nothing should go wrong with any of those cameras. Um, if something does, it's probably because there's a software bug. And if you open that up to the general populace, then that might, you know, cause some issues if you're trying to use it professionally. Um, that being said, uh, I'm happy with my Canon camera as far as the way that I shoot professionally. And anything else using uh, Android as an operating system or attaching something to my phone would be for either travel purposes or family and fun shots. And I do want to take good pictures uh, when I make those images. I don't want to take, you know, the, the, the crummiest little, you know, three or four megapixel uh, cell phone type of shot, although they're all higher than that now. Yeah. Um, it, there's got to be a bridge, and, and uh, I think that Sony's got it. Yeah. I don't know. Alex, final, final word on the Samsung Android camera hybrid phone thing. Is this, is this just another step in the right direction? Yeah, it's 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 a step in the inevitable direction. I mean, they're not going to make point and shoots will all be Android, um, probably within the net, or or some sort of OS like open OS like that. Uh, either iOS, either Apple make a deal, make it iOS, or it'll be Android. But it'll be they'll all all these point and shoots and you know, many of our SLRs within 10 years will all be in these OSs because once people start buying them and realizing, and once the customization really starts to happen. People are just going to look back at these phones with these their own little operating systems and just be frustrated. You know, you know, it's just it, it's you know we you know when once this starts going down the path and people realize it because it's, I mean yes when I shoot most of the time I'm almost in complete manual mode like when I'm really taking pictures with an SLR, but but there are so many things like what if you had a you know you could write a program that takes time lapse that that also takes multiple focuses like focus in two feet then out two feet then back oh, to what yeah. you thought. And take that all, boom, 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 and then and then do another one, boom, 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 and you know, and 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 do a whole bunch of things and tie that in with a with a slider system and and be able to do these crazy things with the camera that you know only one percent of the population is going to want, but one percent of millions is still enough to you know there's an app for that for one ninety nine you can do these crazy things with your camera. Maybe I wouldn't put that on my on my mission critical camera that I'm that a client's paying me to shoot, but I definitely could see so many opportunities to 
do photography in a way that you just couldn't do before because it w because no one was going to give you access to it. So what you end up doing is putting tons of hardware on the outside of it to, con to try to control it from the outside rather than just having someone write software and you update it and you run it from the inside. Love it. Love it. All right. Another prediction. Here we go. There's two predictions from Alex in the show. The lens back cap or the back cap for lenses that has a sensor yeah. in it and NFC and Wi-Fi to communicate and so that all your old lenses work like, yeah. you know, and then also this thing, you know, so all kinds of stuff. Alex, you are just a wealth of predictions. I love it. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've lived long enough for some of them to come true, and then people just forget about the other ones. So exactly. Like all the misses. You just... we'll talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, guys, before we continue uh, with the, with the uh, listener Q&A segment, I want to thank this week's sponsor, and that's Shutterstock. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or another type of project. You can choose from over 26 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. And Shutterstock sources images from around the world and puts them at your fingertips. Many of the contributors to Shutterstock are professional photographers and artists. Plus, Shutterstock reviews each image individually for content quality before they add it to the library, and they add about 10,000 images every day. So every time you visit the site, you'll probably find something new. And Shutterstock also has flexible pricing. You can choose uh, from individual packages or you can get a monthly subscription for the best deal. You can download 25 images per day with a standard subscription and you can download any image in any size and pay only one price. Shutterstock gives you the assets you need to bring your creative projects to the next level and they make it easy with sophisticated tools, things so you can search and drill down by subject, asset type, gender, emotion, color, and more. Plus, they've got a new uh, spectrum where you can sort images by color spectrum. And many creative teams use it to get inspiration and ideas around a certain kind of color or theme. Plus, they've got an award-winning iPad app you can search on the go and use it to display images during presentation. It's amazing. So, definitely check it out. Head over to Shutterstock.com. They're the complete global offering. And once again, if you'd like to get 25% off your new account, just go to Shutterstock and use the offer code TWIP9. at Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP9. Okay, guys, it is time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. And the first question is from Chuck. And Chuck says, uh, is it possible to sync things in the Lightroom library using the transporter or put things on your transporter and sync them back into Lightroom? So I don't know. Alex, are you are you running a transporter right now? No. Yeah, so yeah, I have one, and I haven't I haven't been able to sync... Lightroom or anything through Lightroom on it because it's you know it's really not that kind of device. So you know I would uh, if you're looking for that sort of thing I would I would recommend an external drive. You know Lightroom is not specifically designed to do network type operations and shared libraries and all that stuff. It wants stuff to be local. So you know it, I, I could imagine if it was possible, if he could get it working, it would be so painfully slow because Lightroom wants to have the the immediacy of of a local hard drive or a, a yeah. flash drive uh, to cache things and to run things properly. Um, that if he gets it working, it's probably not worth it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would... That's an easy question to answer there. All right, guys, so that gives us more time for the picks of the week, which is awesome. So, Alex, you have time to go find a pick of the week? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I haven't been on the show for so long. I was You're like, like, crap, there's a like, pick of the week. week. Like, it's so complicated. Okay, okay, go to everybody else first. I know. See, Don did his homework, no, I, I have a pick and of so week. did Matt. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to let Don go first anyway. Okay. Don, what's your pick of the week? All right, well, I've been doing a lot of printing lately. And, uh, you know, it's funny. When you get into printing, it's just like you get into photo gear. You can talk about all the uh, the different megapixels or, you know, the, the extra stop of ISO performance here and there. And, yeah. Um, and to anybody on the outside, a lot of that's kind of Chinese. You know, they, they don't really relate to it properly. And the same thing's true of printing. If you're into printing, there's all sorts of things that you, you worry about, you look for. Um, and paper type is one of those things that uh, that I'm I'm always searching for a, a good paper to print my images on. Uh, and I found this one that I've been using for a while, and I thought I'd mention it. Uh, it's from a company called Ink Press, and they're one of the only people out there that are making a metallic satin paper. And I like the, the pearlescent look of a metallic print. It's something that's always appealed to me. But I haven't always been a fan of glossy prints. And usually metallic only comes in gloss. Um, but Inkpress has a, a nice metallic satin. And I've been using it to print uh, a lot of my black and white stuff, uh, a lot of my snowflakes, a lot of my infrared photographs. And uh, it's, it comes out so good. that it, just, it has a certain little extra impact to the prints. Uh, and they sell it in you know small sizes like 4x6 all the way up to you know 44-inch rolls uh, and everywhere in between. So if you're looking to, uh, to print your images and you want to experiment with something a little bit different, I'd recommend checking out the Ink Press Metallic Satin Paper. Well, then my, my, my question on that would be what's your rationale between, uh, for, for printing yourself rather than sending it off to a lab? Because I have the control of playing with different kinds of paper. You know, I've got uh, uh, cotton-based papers and stuff that's metallic, and I've got uh, watercolor papers, and, and I've got very f fine control over how the, the end result of the image is. You know, I've got everything calibrated, and I can uh, do soft proofing, and then I can do a small test print, and I can go back and forth. And uh, and it, it's an art form. You know, if, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Uh, but I find that it's kind of the final step in, in making a good image is making a good print of it. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for that. That's ink press metallic satin paper. All right. Next up is Mr. Matt Granger. What is your pick of the week? I don't know if you guys heard about this, but um, Adobe CC have just announced the, what are they calling it? Photoshop photography program. You heard of this? No. What is yeah, it? that was just today. Yeah. So they, um, it was rumored or hoped when they went CC, and that was actually what we were talking about all those months ago when I was yeah the Creative Cloud in Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah. Um, they've now got a bundle specifically for photographers with Photoshop, Lightroom, and storage for ten bucks a month. Nice. Uh, I did hear about that. Yeah, that uh, that was announced at Photoshop World, right? Yeah. Uh, the only caveat is uh, to qualify, you have to own Photoshop CS three, four, five, or six. Um, but the previous packages, like when I think they originally, when they rolled it out, offered a, a $9.99 price point for uh, uh, for people that owned previous versions of Photoshop, uh, but it would expire after one year, and then it would kick you back up to a $29.99 price point. As yeah. far as what I'm reading here, I think I just read it on uh, DP Review, uh, it's, it, it stays at $9.99. The, the price yeah. doesn't go up. And cool. and that that's a big selling point for a lot of people, I'm sure. That is a big deal because uh, I'm sure that's – I could hear uncle being cried out of downtown San Jose from all the photographers <laughs> saying, I don't want all that other stuff. I just need these two, and I'm not going to buy all this stuff that I'm not going to use. It's going to sit on my hard drive gathering dust. That's good. Cool. All right, Matt. Perfect. Perfect pick of the week. All right. Next up, Alex Lindsay. What is your pick of the week? 
So I do a lot of. Um, I was kind of looking at things that I that I carry with me all the time, and so and and, and um, one of the things that I do, I do a lot of site surveys. So if you're doing photography or you're doing a, a video shoot or whatever, you're you're surveying out, and one of the things that you a lot of times you want to know is how you know where is everything and how far away everything is, and so um, I have this Bosch. Um, this is a little uh, laser, you know, laser uh, measuring, you know, yeah. and this goes up to I think a couple hundred feet. And um, I've never, I haven't really run into the limit. So anyway, you just, you know, kind of, you probably can't see it here, but um, anyway, the, uh, um, so I got a laser out here, and I can tell that my whiteboard is 7.399 feet away. <laughs> and um, you know, if you're checking focus, it's it's also really good, especially if something a little longer. You want to make sure that something's in focus, and you want to use a little math instead of just just your eye. You can uh, use it to measure. Um, but also, when you are working in, uh, you know, as I said, when you're doing site surveys, when you're trying to figure out how far away and what you're going to have to plan. Now, we actually have uh, someone in our in our company that actually all he does all day is build SketchUp models of all of the locations. Yeah. So we literally go in, we send a site survey in, and they literally go in and take a picture of every room from all the corners towards the center and from the from the middle of the walls. So take a whole, you know, take about eight photos, and then they well, then they take another hundred of details and stuff like that. But the point is, they take these key photos for him. And then they take this laser measuring, uh, it's the Bosch GLR825, and they uh, measure a whole bunch of key points, you know, widths of the room and everything else, and they hand it back to him, and, and a day later we have a model, like a 3D model of the room. Right. And then we've already built all of our C-stands and our lights and our um, tripods that, that we actually use, and then we just sit there and place them all in, in place. Um, to figure out exactly what that what that shoot's going to look like. So you do, you um, do a virtual test run in using Google SketchUp as the the virtual set. Then you break down and build everything and take it to the real location and build it. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, and, and and but what what happens is we figure it all out and then we 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 plan it all out. And we figure, oh right, those C stands aren't going to fit there. You know, so now what we're going to do is we're going to take you know do something else. We're going to move these over here. We're going to do this, and so the um you know so that's kind of that that process, and then. Um, but when you get to this location, you have the right cable runs, you have the right gear, you know it's all going to fit, um, and you can hand out this little diagram to everyone about this is what it's going to look like, and you're not directing anybody. You just handed them a picture of here here we are, and here's what it all needs to look like, and make it go. And then everyone goes about and does what they need to do if, you're, if you have a larger crew. So it's, anyway, so the, it all starts with, you know, your iPhone and a, and, and a little laser. And, it, you know, the Bosch one we like a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of guys in the company. We all argue about which one is best, but I like the. This is the, as I said, the GLR A25, and and um, but it's the key to the operation to tie all that together. I love it. I love it. Cool. See, such cool picks of the week. I love it. And I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So my pick of the week, uh, and I I think I may have talked about this before, but I'm gonna talk about it again. I'm excited about this thing here. And Alex, you're gonna you may turn over in your grave. Look at this. Look at that. You know what that is? For the listeners, I'm holding oh. up the. Oh. I'm holding up the Moto X. Oh, do you like it? This is the Moto X. Yes, I uh, I really like it. It's really cool. I'm not a big fan of the camera in the Moto X. Oh um, no. Hopefully, hopefully it will it will enjoy a software update soon or something. Right. But the uh, the camera it has some issues, which I'm I'm going to write up and do a little Google Plus post on. Uh-huh. But, Just get a Sony uh, lens. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> See, you just up, upgrade the whole thing with an extra lens. Who needs, who needs the camera? Yeah, I'll just use something. Well, I'm, you know, it's very yeah. interesting because I, I always have a Droid. I always have a Droid. I mean, an Android phone and an iPhone because of my, my job. We have to test streams and everything else. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I've been looking for a new one. So I'm looking at the Droid Ultra. The Moto X is another one that I was looking at. Um, you know, the, and possibly one of the the new Sony Xperia. So. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out, so I'll, I'll be interested to see your post on, on how it works. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a lengthy post with examples of the camera and all that stuff, so really interesting. So I'm excited, and this is, as I was saying before, I think I mentioned this on the show before, um, this was my first experience ever touching an Android device. Oh, really? You know, it's gotten a, a lot better. The old ones really were bad. I'm glad I missed them because this one, this one has <laughs> some rough edges. Now, Android yeah, yeah, has, yeah. has a lot of rough edges compared to iOS, but, yeah. you know... From the one of the analogies I use in the article that I'm, I'm writing, it's kind of like iOS. I feel like I'm on this beautiful resort island club club Apple that has everything I need. All my needs yeah. are taken care of. But <laughs> when I when I move to Android, it's like I'm in New York City, you know, and, yeah. and everything and all the dangers and all the dirt and all the good stuff that New York City has to offer. Yep. You know, I can get it. Nobody's holding me back from going in that bad neighborhood. You know? Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. So no, yeah, it's it's uh it's I you know I, I have a Nexus Seven and uh um I have a Nexus Seven and the uh uh I find myself using it a lot. I yeah. like the form factor a lot, and it's funny because I keep on telling my little uh, iPad Mini that 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 I'm just friends with the Nexus Seven and you know we're just we're just you know kind of experimenting, but I, I haven't really. Been hanging out yeah. with the iPad Mini very much, you know. So I don't so really like it. I'm just I'm just experimenting. It's a phase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, but the the iOS is, has has definitely, um, you know, I mean, it it definitely feels a lot smoother, you know, than than. But but I will say that the Android has definitely improved dramatically when I, since the first one I got, you know, because we're yeah. constantly buying new ones so to, to to keep checking things and and it's definitely gotten a lot better. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I missed that that. Uh... Yeah, the first days. ones were horrible. You were like, "How does anyone use this? This is this is useless." And uh, it's definitely they've taken a lot of notes. Good, they good, cool. All right, guys, um, we're at the end of the show. Listeners, you know the drill. If you want to hear a special interview, that's uh, after we roll the end credits. You can keep playing this episode, and you'll hear a really cool interview I did with New York-based photographer Vivienne Gutswa. She's awesome. She's a you know as it would as luck would have it. She's a Sony shooter. She talks all about the Sony Alpha series that she uses and why she uses that over Nikon or Canon and all that good stuff. So really interesting interview. Stay tuned for that. But uh, before we get into that, Don Komarechka, where would you like people to go to connect with you? To connect with me, the best place to connect is on Google+. I'm most active there and uh, see most interactions uh, pretty regularly. But if you want to see every place you can find me in a portfolio of my work, you can check out uh, doncom.ca, and I just did a little refresh on the website too, so it's, uh, it's a little bit snappier, a little bit, uh, a little bit more updated. So check that out if you want to see everywhere that I am. Very cool, and thanks again for coming on the show. Happy to be here. All right, Mr. Matt Granger, no longer as we record this, no longer that Nikon guy. You're now just mattgranger.com. I'm old Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where? So that's it, right? Matt, do all roads lead to mattgranger.com, or would you like people to go to YouTube, or where? Where should they start? Yeah, YouTube's probably good. All the content's there, but all the videos get put up onto the website as well. But if they do go to thatnikonguy.com, it'll automatically just bounce them across to this new one anyway. But um, yeah, and we're on all those social media things. So there's links on YouTube and the website for all of that. 
And if they go to YouTube, how do they find you? They do, do they just search for Matt Granger, or what's your channel name? Uh, yeah, it'll be Matt Granger when this goes live. But um, there's still 1,200 videos up there that were uploaded as that Nikon guy, so I'm sure if you search that, you'll find me too. Excellent. Excellent. That's very cool. 1,200 videos. That's insane. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations on that. And thanks again for coming on. I'm glad we finally did a successful episode with you on the show. So. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. And also remember to join our thriving and vibrant community over on Google+. And finally, if you're looking for me, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, I'm here speaking with a new friend of mine that we just we just met a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, and but she's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the topic that we're hitting on today, and that's the Sony Alpha. It's Vivian Gutswa, and she's in Lower Manhattan. She's one of those cool people that could hang out in the city and and take photos of all that cool stuff. But she's even more cool because she gets to take photos of that stuff with a with a crazy alpha 99 so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that and kind of her style to photography and all that stuff so vivian welcome hi thanks for having me on your show oh you're welcome very exciting thanks thanks for taking time out of your your schedule just to to chat with me i mean i you know just for the for the people that are watching this uh you and i spoke a couple of weeks ago in san diego at an event and we were you know, I, I wanted to, before we left that event, I kind of said, I got to make sure that I can talk to her later about the Sony stuff because you are a Sony shooter. You one of the, you're, I think you and a couple of other people are, are the few like Sony pros that I know. You know, everyone else is like, you know, shooting either Micro Four Thirds or they're shooting Canon or Nikon or something. But the, the Sony people are like this click of like cool people. <laughs> I want to awesome. penetrate and get in there. So I'm like, okay, I got one. Now we're going to talk. We're like the magical unicorns of the camera world. Yes. You know, there's, there's very few of us and it's, it's all kind of like legend that we actually shoot with Sony's, but we're there. You are, there. You are there. And I'll tell you, <laughs> When I, when I got a chance to hold the NEX, or not the NEX, the uh, the Alpha 99, I, like I said before we started recording, it just kind of had that weight of like, I don't know. I mean, it's not, not that it's heavy. It just felt like a like something Tony Stark would use. It's got a grip that, you know, you hold it and you know that. This is a camera that means business. Right. It just has that feel. Yeah, yeah it had the feel of like, you, like you're kind of holding it back. Like it's a pit bull and you're just, all right, I'm going to take care. We're going to take photos today. Just relax. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, what's, all right, calm down. You know, Alpha, we're going to go out. Maybe that's why it's called Alpha because it's an Alpha yeah. camera. <laughs> it's the Alpha dog. Yep. Okay, so let's, let's talk about your history a little bit before we dive into the the camera itself so what's what's your background in photography and and why do you love it um so i only really started shooting seriously maybe 
four, four and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started out kind of very naturally. I just wanted to document what I was seeing when I went on really long walks around New York City. Yeah. And um, I first started shooting with like a very tiny point and shoot. Um, And I started posting my photos online and a lot of really uh, kind of lucky things happened when I first started posting my photos online. And I realized, hmm, I should probably upgrade (laughs) to a better camera than the one that I'm using currently. Yeah. And I settled on Sony um, right from that. Like my first Sony camera was the A55. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like my first serious camera. And I learned everything on that camera. Like I learned, I basically just put it into manual mode and I would go out and I would shoot like four or five hours a day and just learn everything about light and what every single setting did, how it interacted with the light in New York City, how it interacted with the landscape, cityscape. So it was it was a great learning experience. What were, what were you doing with the images? Were you post, posting them online or were you printing? Yeah, so um, I first started on Tumblr because that was kind of new at the time. And I didn't really have any knowledge of blogs or the online blogging world. Mm-hmm. So I started posting on Tumblr, and I got kind of a very large audience uh, from the beginning. I love how humble you are. You got, like, millions of followers on all these different networks. You're like, hey, I got kind of a large. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think it's great. You know, I love to interact with people. Um, You know, I've had a lot of really – I've made a lot of really great friends on Tumblr, Um, just from interacting with the other photographers on there. I think a lot of people think of that platform as just a place where people go to reblog content. But there's actually a lot of people on there who post completely new original content. So it's, it's been, it's been nice to kind of get to know them through the process of posting photography online. Definitely. Is that your, is Tumblr your primary sort of online home or I know you're active on Google plus and Twitter and, and the other yeah. as well. Actually. So my photography blog is completely hosted on Tumblr still. Um, I, I definitely believe in the platform. So I've kept my blog there, but I post all of my content to Facebook and to Google plus as well. And I also post to Instagram as well, but that's like, I don't think I post quite the same sort of stuff to Instagram as I do anywhere else. Are are you, when you post, like you say your primary is Tumblr, but you also cross post over on Facebook and Google plus, are you posting the same content or are you posting like a teaser to drive them back to your Tumblr or how does, how do you work that? Um, I actually post the same content, which goes against a lot of the social media strategy that's out there. Um, The reason why I do it is because I found over the years that the audiences on every single site are so completely different. And so it's just kind of worked for me. I don't know if it works for everyone um, that well, but it definitely has worked for me in terms of, you know, interacting with the different audiences. Yeah, that's that's the thing with the social media stuff. There is no one way you know, one correct way to do this stuff. You're right. Cause it's, it's audience based. It's the person, you know, the person that's posting, it's how often you as a photographer have time to go in there. You know, there's all these different variables. And if anyone, 
ever tells you that there's a secret formula to <laughs> success online, just you know, walk away and say, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know? Sure, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So what are you? Yeah. What are you shooting now? So you're shooting professionally. What what kind of what's your subject matter? Um, so like current projects that I'm doing, I'm shooting for a kind of a big real estate developer here in New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of filling several of his buildings or new developments with photos. So I do that type of work. Um, I just started shooting for a really tiny men's clothing brand, a startup here called Imperial Black. So I do stuff like that. And then I also get approached a lot um, by people who find my work online and then they want to use my work for book covers, album covers, in magazines. Um, Life's tough, so that's like it? one whole other side of it. Life is so rough. People keep asking you for all these cool uses of your photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish it was like super often, but. <laughs> yeah. So let's but, let's get yeah. into the gear. So I want to I want to talk about what you're shooting with. So you so you when you made the choice to to go with Sony, like you were saying before, you you've been shooting for about four plus years. Um, was it you had to have heard of the other brands like Canon and Nikon and those yeah. guys, right? Was there was there sort of a, a, a conscious decision to go with Sony, or did you just say you know any meeny miny mo? Um, I mean, it's kind of weird when I look back in retrospect at how little I knew. I really like I I understood that a lot of people shot with Canon or Nikon, and I guess it didn't really occur to me that there was such a giant um debate and fan base for both fan base fanboys you know yeah and (laughs) so when i when i did settle on sony i wasn't really thinking of any of that i mean i a good friend of mine actually helped me make the decision and a lot of it was based on you know sony seems be doing some really amazing things in the world of photography, but nobody seems to really use them. I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> That's <laughs> Let's great. Go for you, it. It'll be better again. than what I have. So you're like, yeah. I'm going to choose the road less traveled, and we'll yeah. see. Yeah. And that's awesome. You know, that, that one of the things that I noticed that as I dive deeper into the Sony product line and start understanding what's in there, more from, you know, just uh, this random article that someone wrote, but as I look deeper into it and hold the gear and look at it, it's it's like... I'm 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 a little bit taken back because I'm like, how come I didn't know about this stuff <laughs> before? You know, not that you know, Nikon and Canon and all these other guys make awesome gear, of course. You know, and and of course, in the end, it's all about the image, not the gear that you're shooting with. But there's some like even the the NEX the NEX five R I'm shooting with and playing with that thing. There's things in that camera that I'm like. That just that makes a whole lot of sense. How come I never knew about this before? You know, so now I've seen the tip of the iceberg, and now I'm diving deeper and like, wow, look at all this, <laughs> this other <laughs> cool stuff. So, so let's talk about your stuff here. So, your what do you shoot with now? Which which camera model do you shoot with? So I'm currently shooting with the A99, mm-hmm. um, primarily for like my paid shoots, but. When I just do my typical New York City photography, um, I use a mixture of cameras. Um, I've been actually working with Sony since last winter, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I've kind of po- I've partnered with them, which has been really really great because I've gotten to use a lot of their different cameras. So I also shoot with the NEX six. Um, 
also the NEX 5R. I just added to my arsenal. I've shot with the NEX 7, and I have also shot with the um, A77, which is another fantastic camera. So what are the differences? So I'm coming at this, like, completely blind, right? So... These numbers, like if you come at me, I'm, I'm I've been shooting Nikon since 1989, right? So if you, <laughs> if you come at me with, uh, you know, all these these numbers like the A99 and this, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? If I look at it in the Nikon world, and you say D3, a D4, the you know D7000, in my head, I know what those are. What are the different camera lines? Like, is the A99 like the flagship mother of all Sony DSLRs, and then you go down from there? So the A99 is their current flagship SLT, which it differs from um, an SLR in that it's a single lens translucent mirror. Explain that. (laughs) Um, Basically, it has a translucent mirror, so it works a little bit differently, but it's still the same. Like if obviously you've picked up an A99, so it's going to have all the same exact settings. Um, It's just they're using a little bit different technology. Um, so that's their current flagship. Okay. Um, okay. What came, and it's full frame. The A77 is crop sensor, and the image quality for the A77 is amazing. Like, I, that camera was an absolute joy to use, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially since I used that after I'd been using my A55 for a really long time, and the A55 has been discontinued, I think. Okay. And they had, like, several other models came in between. I think there was, like, an A65, possibly, in between. But um, A77 was definitely, like, the big crop sensor camera that they came out with. And then the A99 is their current, like, really great full frame. And then, you know, of course, the NEX is their whole other foray into mirrorless. And... There, you're really just looking at a difference in megapixels. Um, and lack of mirror, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 obviously. And it's really, really tiny and wonderfully light and yeah. great. I think there are, those, like that 5R is almost magically light. I mean, because it's, yeah. it's more lens than it is camera, you know? So yeah, it's totally. like, you know, it's like wagging the dog when I, when I pick that thing up and I'm like, but then the images that come out of it, I'll tell you, we did a, we did an episode of this week in photo yesterday and I made, I made the, you know, we do this, this thing called the pick of the week. And my pick of the week yesterday was the Wi-Fi function in the 5R and uh, just the ability to hit a button and send those images over to yeah. my smart, my tablet or my phone or whatever, you know, and then share them out and have that APS-C size sensor image quality on Instagram or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah it's just crazy that you can do that stuff. It's wild. And the apps are really nice, too. They have... um a time-lapse app that's supposed to be amazing. I haven't really gotten a chance yet to fully play with it, but I keep meaning to actually play with it. And you know, I think, you that's, know, that's the thing. See, I haven't even gotten there yet. I haven't even, oh. <laughs> I remember that, you know, that you can, you can install apps on there, but I, my brain is still in the, I guess the pre camera body app installation world. Right. <laughs> So, so I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. So I can different. install software on my camera. How cool yeah. is that? It's ridiculous. It's pretty wild. <laughs> that is ridiculous. So okay, so let, so that's the so the pro line. You're you're shooting that when you 
like talk about lens choices a little bit. You, you, what's your your primary walk around lens? And my my thoughts or my concerns as a pro shooter would be, you know, I know Nikon and Canon um, have mountains of lenses, more lenses than I could ever possibly need and or afford, right? Um, so on the Sony side, do they have? I mean, are is is their lens sort of catalog or spectrum filled out like Nikon and, and Canon? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that it is currently, mm-hmm. um, but they've been really good at releasing more and more lenses, I've noticed, over the last couple of years to kind of meet the demand. Mm-hmm. I know that, that that definitely used to be more of a complaint. You know, for people who wanted to maybe switch over to Sony, it was like, well, why would I switch over to Sony if you know they don't have as wide of a lens catalog? Um, but you can also use Minolta lenses. Um, you know, you can use other lenses on there as well. And they also make um, adapters for Nikon and Canon as well, now, which, which is pretty wild. I've read about those adapters. Do those? Do those? Are they full adapters, or do you lose? the you know all the the math and the supercomputer that's in the lens like in other words does is autofocus sure. transferred through and and all that i i have no idea because <laughs> i've wonder, never tried it i out. wonder sony if you're watching this let us know <laughs> if, um, if know, all the I mean, math that's in the lens is transferred to the body when you use an adapter yeah. i mean i know they specifically make the adapters to cater you know definitely to people who have a wide array of canon lenses yeah. or nikon and I mean, really, when it comes down to it, I mean, I think that a lot of a lot of people's allegiances to the gear that they use comes down to lenses. To the glass. If you have a lot of money invested in, you know, a lot of the lenses that you shoot with, it's very difficult to kind of cross over to a different brand. Yeah. Um, so I think that manufacturers like are definitely looking at that, and that's probably why they've come up with the adapter. To yeah. kind of make yeah. transition easier. Absolutely, I would argue that that those adapters, especially if you're a company that's trying to establish a beachhead in the the highly competitive DSLR marketplace, um, and you're you know you got these monolithic companies up there that people have been building up their their lens collections over decades, right? So, which is like cement to them staying with that with that camera system. So if you, as a marketer or as a camera manufacturer, hope to lure those people in. One of the most important things is to make the make it slippery on the lens side of it. So if you say, "Hey, this adapter right here costs 150 bucks, and you can use all your lenses, no questions asked." Come on, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Plus, yeah. you get this body that does all this stuff that yours doesn't do. So right, yeah, right. So that's the, that's the thing. So if they can, if they can crack that nut and i think it's uh you know that's killer um okay so let's talk a little bit about the nex side of it so you said you had a and i keep i keep hearing people like i was speaking with trey radcliffe i was speaking with doug k um and a couple of other people that are saying you know they're sony shooters nex shooters and they're saying that they prefer the nex6 over the nex7 and i heard you mention the six as well (laughs) Yeah. Can't, just by virtue of it being a whole number better, you know, or higher, doesn't mean the seven is better? <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. The reason why I prefer the six over the seven is because of the apps <laughs> oh, and the Wi Fi. Okay. So you don't get that with the seven. 
And the other difference, so the difference between the 7 and the 6 is 7 has obviously more megapixels, which at a certain point, (laughs) it's just kind of like if you're not going to be printing massive size things, I mean, do you really, is that what you're going for? I don't know. But, um, you know, I love the 6 also. I feel like the controls on the 6 are a lot more intuitive for me versus the controls on the seven on the seven they added um they added two different like little knobs on the top um to control aperture and and shutter speed which for some reason going from the six to the seven it felt really weird and non-intuitive for me after getting used to the controls and the controls on the 5R are also very similar to the 6. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely prefer the 6 over the 7. And I didn't actually know that other people who shoot Sony felt the same way. Yeah, yeah they keep hearing um, that over and over again. Yeah, so like, how, like if, I, if I'm new to Sony, um, which I am, you know, and I was going to go into a store and I was going to get an NEX 6 or a 7, of course I would gravitate towards the 7 because I would think the 6 is outdated. You know, the 7 right. represents the latest that Sony has to offer, right? Of course, I'm going to get the 7. But then I keep hearing, it's so unintuitive because I keep hearing from people I respect, like you, saying, oh, yeah, I use a 6 because of A, B, and C. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. are you saying the 6 and has the Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi? The 6 has Wi-Fi, the 7, the seven doesn't? doesn't? Yeah, the 7 does not. The 6 has Wi-Fi, and one difference between the 5R and the 6 is that the 6 comes with the iViewfinder. Which to me is amazing. You can actually buy a viewfinder, I think, for the 5R, but yeah. it's sold separately. Yeah. Right. But right. as you know, the 5R, you're just basically aiming yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. with the screen, which is fine. Yeah. But I, I, I tell you, it I, it, it's fine for me. And people complain about that, like they need the viewfinder and all that stuff. I like that big screen on there, you know? I don't know. I like composing with a big surface, you know? I don't, I don't know. Does Rather it, than. Yeah, I don't know. Have you shot in the sun a lot? Because I find the only time that it ever bothers me is when I'm in really bright conditions. Right, right. And then I feel like I I really want the the eye viewfinder. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, yeah, I don't really mind it. But the bright condition thing is a little a yeah. little bit of a yeah, that could get you. Thing. That could get you. Okay, what about so we talked about lenses? We talked about the bodies. Um, what about flash do you use flash are you a, a flash shooter nope <laughs> you're available light right any any light that's available i am available light and i do a lot of long exposures oh, cool. so i don't deal with flash at all um in fact i've been shooting more and more long exposures um for my paid work and for just what i post to my blog so what kind of long what... exposures like flowing waterfalls or light streaks or star i trails? wish <laughs> I wish I was photographing flowing waterfalls, but no, anything that's around New York City. So I do a lot of long exposures of cityscapes, all the cityscapes around um, the city. Um, A lot of long exposures where I am all the way up on a high vantage point looking down. I love shooting at dusk um, because I love, you know, blue hour obviously is awesome. So you know, yeah, there, that's, there are some waterfalls close to you. You could just take hop in that car or, or rent a car, whatever. Niagara Falls is right up the street. Driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a New Yorker. That's right. New Yorkers don't use cars. I forgot him. <laughs> All of California takes up the slack for the New Yorkers that don't buy cars because everybody here has a car. I think they give you a car when you're like seven out here. Right. <laughs> 
That's yeah, good. no, but I, it's actually one of my goals for the coming year is to travel more and do, you know, a lot more kind of natural landscapes versus the cityscapes and urban landscapes that I've been doing. So I'm kind of excited to experiment with my long exposure photography with that. I love, it. I love it. That is so cool. So, um, okay, last question. Where, uh, like, what's next for your career? Like, what, what's the next step? for what you're going to be, you know, putting those Sony cameras to use on? Um, so I'm actually in the process of getting ready to launch a new blog. Mm. You heard it here first. <laughs> on Tumblr? Um, no, he, yeah, it's going to be on Tumblr as well. It's going to be a sister blog to the blog that I have. Um, and it's basically going to be my travel blog and my foray into doing travel photography and travel writing. I know some travel um, bloggers that you might want to connect with. I think you know who yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, those, are, those yeah. guys are cool. So awesome. I'm really excited. It's It's been a lot of work, but I'll probably be launching it in the next month or so. Wow. You, just, you got your girl on fire out there in New York, aren't you? <laughs> All kinds of stuff going on. Well, thank you for, for taking the time out of your evening. You know, it's, you're three hours ahead of us. So, yeah, it's almost, yeah, it's nine-ish around there, right? So. Yeah, thank you for uh, for for doing this. I'm more excited than ever about that camera. I gonna I need to check with Borrow Lenses to see if they have Sony's in stock because I'm gonna grab that 99 to play with it. I'm almost afraid to play with it because you know what might happen. <laughs> You're gonna get it if you play with it. You'll get it. Like everyone I know who has played with the 77 or the 99 ends up getting it like within a month. Oh, great. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> And if if I could recommend any lens for the ninety nine, it would be the twenty four to seventy. Oh, like to oh. me, that's the best lens in the world. Wow. It's the uh, lens for um, for the a ninety nine, and it's amazing. Is it f two eight? Yeah, f two eight. Awesome, cool. All right, so now look at you spending my money. Now I have a a ninety nine and a twenty four to seventy two eight coming. So yeah. so okay. So on that. What, like, a high level, what is that going to run me? Like, what does an A99 body generally cost? Are we looking at, like, 2000 I should look it up right now. I guess I can do that. I, I think it's in the 2000 range. Let's see. Um, we have the internet at our command. I'm going to look it up. I right know. Now. <laughs> I'm We're going like to, to Amazon guess. right now. Sony A99. Here it comes. Sony Alpha SLT A99V full frame 24.3 megapixels. Wow, $2,700. $2,798. So $2,800 for the body. And then the, let's see, the Sony, is it the, is, are the lenses called Alpha? It's, it's just Zeiss 24 to 70, and it will come up in a search. Okay, I found it. Yep, I got it. Oh, wow. That lens, yeah, that's a real lens. That's beautiful that's, looking. It's, and it's that is one of the best. Two thousand dollars. Okay, so one of the best. Two grand. So yes. we're looking at you know with tax about you you're looking at about five ish five and change grand to get into the Sony system, which is competitive and aggressive compared to the competitors that they're going after. So yeah, those numbers sound high, but if you're in the market for the DSLR you are going to be buying a D you know a D four anyway, right? And if you're shooting full frame. Because, you know, a 99 is full frame. That's a pretty competitive price in general for the lenses. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I feel like it, it definitely pays for itself. And, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. See, that's the point. It's it's a tool, right? I mean, this isn't this is you complaining about the price of cameras, and we talked about this on the show before too. Complaining about the price of cameras would be akin to you know buy a carpenter buying cheap a cheap hammer, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because it's you're in the end the hammer is going to pay for itself, or else you wouldn't be buying a hammer in the first place. Hire somebody, right? Right. So no, you're totally right. (laughs) Cool. All right. Where, where's, what's your URL and where, where can people go to uh, keep up with you online? Um, my blog is at nythroughthelens.com. Okay. And I have every link to where I am on every single social network that exists <laughs> online <laughs> over there. So nice. it's probably easiest that way. And if people want to find you on Google+, what's, is, is just search for your name or is it nythroughthelens yeah, as well? Name. Okay. Um, and also on Facebook, I post to my my profile. I post all my p- photography there rather than to a business page. Um, so if you want to find me on Facebook, you can also just look up my name. Excellent. As well. well, thank you again. This has been educational and a, and a relatively expensive conversation for me. <laughs> You're going to get it. <laughs> I know. You know. As soon as I get it, I'm going to send a picture of me. I'm going to take a picture of me with, with the A99 using the 5R, you know, <laughs> the NEX 5R. <laughs> In selfie mode. Yeah. You know, twist that little, flip that lens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'll flip on. it in the selfie mode and do a selfie of me with my new camera. And then I'll I'll have a... Like a little cup of a cup of noodles next to me, and I'll be like, "That's what I'm going to be eating for the next six months because of <laughs> <laughs> all because of Vivian." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll call this the Vivian surprise meal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vivian, thank you, thanks again, and uh, yeah, um, thanks for being on this week in photo. I mean, this is we, it's been a while. I, I don't, you know what? Honestly, I don't know when if we've ever had a Sony like just a Sony expert to come on and just lay it down like you've done it. So thank you. I appreciate this. Thank you for having me once again. All right. Well, good luck.